Welcome to Headliners, the podcast. This is the paper review that won't put you to sleep. You can catch us live every night from 11 on GB News with a panel of top-notch comedians going through the biggest stories hitting the next day's papers. But don't worry, if you miss it, you can catch up here after every show. So let's do it. Welcome to Headliners. Hello, I'm Simon Evans. Welcome to Headliners. Joining me tonight, we have Leo Kurse and Steve N. Allen. Gentlemen. Hello. How are you? Hello. Very good. Well, you had that plan. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to be on the same level as Steve, or do you want to bring that back up a little I bit? I see now? myself as, uh, see, I'm middle class. Yeah, okay. And, We're doing uh, the two Ronnie's and John Cleese <laughs> thing. Yeah, excellent. Good evening. How have you coped, gentlemen? Two, two days of heat wave. It's pretty much over. Have you been all right? Um, so I thought I was Johnny Big Potatoes because my shed is now an office and I bought aircon for it. Right. Is this it, on the allotment? No, this is, yeah, not that far away from the new kid. But oh, yeah. um, it, it's not powerful enough. I, I was 39 degrees in my shed today. Wow. That is, an, um, that is like a record-breaking temperature. What about you, Liam? I, I loved it. It was nice. It yeah. was sunny. I know people were complaining. My wife's pregnant, so she didn't enjoy it. But, uh, I've, you know, it's like, it's, you go on holiday for this. It's, it's exactly yeah, right. Look at my tan. Well, my wife took us to Italy about four years ago at exactly this time of year, and it was 40 degrees in Umbria. And she was yeah. going, this is marvellous. And today <laughs> she's just been complaining all day yeah. long. I'm like, this was free, you know. <laughs> and I haven't been expected to march up to the top of some hilltop fort. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, let us take a look and see what is uh, on the front pages of the newspapers. We have the Daily Mail, who indeed are focusing on the fires which have been created by this heatwave, and also the uh, Conservative Leadership Election. Trust allies warn, no dirty backroom deals, naughty, naughty. The Daily Telegraph have the 40-degree uh, centigrade barrier being broken for the very first time, and again, evidence of the ruination that that has wrought on at least one small village with the wildfires. Also, trust closing in on Mordant to join Sunak in final head-to-head. -head. The Guardian have a wake-up call. Uh, unexpectedly, they are focusing on the climate change aspect rather than the immediate fires. UK hits highest ever temperature. Hundreds of firefighters battle blazes as new record of 40.3 degrees centigrade is reached. Getting quite exciting. Financial Times, they say... Uh, burning Britain, houses blaze in record heat. And Bailey signals half-point rate rise in battle to rein in surging prices. That uh, would be on the uh, Bank of England lending rate, I assume. The Daily Mirror has 40 degrees centigrade Britain's burning. To be fair, not all of Britain is burning. In fact, the very fact that the same photograph has appeared on pretty much every front cover suggests that just one small but very unfortunate part of it has been on fire today. Wildfires sweep UK in record heat. The Times, record high of 40.3 degrees, sparks fire, wildfires in tinderbox Britain and truss closing on mordant, uh, deliberately unwelcome image created by the Times. They have Daily Express... Britain burns in 40-degree heat, surging trust. You can trust me to be bold and cut bills. And finally, the Daily Star have the very, very slow march of the zombies. Millions of zombie Brits staggered out of bed after the hottest ever to find it was the hottest day ever at 40.3 degrees. Those are our headlines. Let's take a look inside them.
So we appear to be starting, Steve, with the Wennington fire, I think. Is that with you? And that's with the Telegraph. Yeah, this is a side effect of the, the heat wave in Wellington. It's uh, in, in Essex, 100 firefighters on the scene, a row of houses on fire, two, by the looks of it, destroyed, distressing uh, images. We saw the, the clip of the news, someone saying, you don't expect this to happen. Of course you don't. This is part of why it's so bad. In the story, in the Telegraph, it says, distressed residents could be seen on their phones and then others were carrying buckets of water to the Leonard's Arms, a pub nearby. I don't know how much of a drinker you have to be that you think yeah. you need to take water to a pub. Take buckets um, of water to a pub, that's yeah. a good thing, isn't it? But I suppose people do react sometimes unexpectedly, don't they, when there's a sort of disaster in their midst? They but don't I, quite I know. I think they've got water in pubs, eh? but that's, it is a side <laughs> What, for the gin, you mean? Yeah, to, to water down the beer. Um, but, I mean, look, fires happen even when there's not a heat wave, yeah. but heat waves are going to be a contributing factor on how easy it is to set fire to things. Flashpoints of liquids and dryness of, of solids and whatever. And it um, has been pretty dry building up to it as well, of course. It's not yeah. just the heat, is it? It's yeah. the, the tinder, but... Uh... And, and this is the thing. There would have been more fires during the one in 76. That's the reference that everyone goes to to compare yeah. it to. And there were more deaths in 76. There would have been warnings in 76 as well. Well, nobody had water at all in 76. Well, it hadn't been invented. We discussed invented. this previously, but I mean, no child ever left the house with a bottle of water to get through the day in 76. Yeah. You, maybe you lapped at a swimming pool or something or maybe found a river. But there was a, a drought, uh, and there was a drought minister back then. Yeah. So yeah. I think if we would have had a minister for drought today, we people would be going, oh, it's ridiculous, it's, you know, it's uh, this woke government. We had a whole song about it, Seasons in the Sun, you know. Remember that? No, I know. We had joy, we had fun. That was about the, the drought in 76. Well, the drought minister. It was, it was about a child. It was about drought dying. in general. Somebody was dying and saying goodbye to all Yeah, I, mean, I think people are, everybody's, uh, you know, uh, calling on, you know, action over climate change because, you know, we've reached 40.3 degrees, which is a record high. But obviously we, we got there... We've been higher than that, but in times before thermometers. Yes. But everybody's blaming... In times you know, before dinosaurs. Yeah, anything, everybody's blaming, you know, anything that's that's bad on, on climate change. It's, so you, it's like, you remain sceptical in the It's the new this. Brexit. Yeah. You remember, you know, for a few years, everything. You know, if, if, there, was, if there was anything going wrong, it was, yeah. bloody Brexit. Wow. And now, now, it's, uh, now, it's, now it's climate change. And we've got to remember that so far, climate change, I'm not denying climate change is happening. I am denying it's so much of a bad thing. Like cold weather, the British Medical Journal did a, did a yeah. study, cold weather kills 20 times as many people as hot weather. I think we just have to learn to adapt to hot weather, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. What would be bad, of course, if everyone installs uh, air conditioning, that will put a much greater burden on the national grid yeah. and uh, and on the fuel prices. So just, just me and my shed. And the only ones who should be allowed it. And Prince Harry. Prince Harry should be allowed to get a private jet wherever he wants and have as much air conditioning as he wants. Yeah, and everybody else should be told not to. Everybody else should be like that fellow I saw on the internet who spent the day in his wheelie bin, filled up to the up to the chest, roughly, with water. And he was right. fine because that's a fairly small amount. It's like an effective, you know, small area. A bit that stank. That's anyway, the... we should talk about the latest on the Tory leadership contest, Leo, and talk of people in bins. Yeah. Somebody else is in the bin now. <laughs> well, yeah, some bad news for any true Conservatives out there. Kemi Badenoch has been knocked out of the Tory leadership race, just as we were working out whether she, her second name is pronounced Badenoch or Badenoch. Or Bad uh, Enoch. Yeah, well, I'm surprised The Guardian haven't run with that yet. Uh, but, yeah, it's a, it's a shame because she was a genuine Conservative. I think she'd have galvanised uh, yep. Tory voters. She was for free speech, free enterprise and low tax. You know, anybody remember when the Tories stood for those things? So going into the, the final run, uh, we've got Rishi Sunak, who stands for, for high tax. Well, for us, anyway, not for not for his family. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> dodge or avoid, avoid, not dodge, uh, avoid. Yes. 
a lot of tax, and he's, he's also got you know uh, some recognised disdain for the working class, uh, as, as I do, but I hide it. Uh, <laughs> Liz Truss as well, so she'll probably pick up um, pick up some votes from uh, Kemi. But she does seem know. to be regarded as the main candidate of the right now, but I just yeah. don't find that entirely convincing. I don't know. She just, she, I think she, she's, everyone says she is a ridiculous kind of larping maga fascia. Yeah. Want to be, even during the last debate, or the one that I saw, she yeah. was wearing a literal... It was like, almost like a child's, I, I'm going to come, come <laughs> up to World Book Day yeah. as Maggie Thatcher. Yeah, but she forgot, <laughs> she forgot to, she forgot to uh, copy Thatcher's gravitas yes, or, or delivery. She needs to learn how to speak like this. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's, there's Penny Morden, uh, who, uh, who is probably the wokest candidate. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, it stood for when she was a qualities minister, tried to bring in self-ID and then denied yeah. that she tried to bring in self-ID. This is the thing that I find worrying about her. Not, I, I feel everyone is buffeted slightly by the trans thing a little bit. It's understandable if you walk it back, if you explain yourself. But she has tried to evade any kind of responsibility yeah. as well. And that doesn't sit very well with her other great projection, which is the fact that she was raised in Portsmouth and fell in love with the... With the the uh, the navy, with with the country and with the Tory party, when Thatcher sent the the, uh, the task force to the Falklands. Yeah, and she's a naval reservist. Yes, so, although she hasn't seen a lot of action. So. No. <laughs> <laughs> what are your take on the candidates, Steve? Yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised that um, Kemi's runs ended. I think it's, it's been a good run for her, though, because yeah. most people hadn't heard of her before. I, I would say this is this was always the first outing to test to get your name out there. So she was never going to make it through to the final. I think the more interesting story is about whether because loads online loads of uh, theories are developing about lending votes to make yeah, sure yeah. that Liz Truss gets through because Rishi thinks he stands a better chance against Liz Truss. Oh, imagine that. Politicians doing something slightly underhanded. But Kelly will definitely, she will, like, like uh, leverage the votes that she has in her gift in order to secure a place in Cabinet now. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see where, I mean, she might end up in the, in the Exchequer. I wouldn't have thought that would suit her, but hopefully somewhere where she can, certainly if it is Truss who gets in, where she can apply some kind of proper, as you say, some yeah. proper dry conservatism to, yeah. the, uh, and, to the project. And whoever wins, we're either going to have the third Tory female prime minister yeah. uh, or the first uh, person of colour. Yeah, prime minister. amazing. So and meanwhile, delivered, delivered by the Conservatives, who everybody the says party is racist. Is, is led by and this, like, like a sort of potato head. Yeah, 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 the whitest <laughs> man. Like, even now, in 40.3 degree heat, he's still, like, opaque white. Absolutely marvellous. On to Wednesday's mail now. Pay packets have taken a bit of a hit this year. I don't think that's news there. But yeah, so they say in the Daily Mail, they say pay packets are suffering a record fall of 2.8% as inflation runs rampant. So this is slightly misleading because uh, earnings uh, are actually going up, yeah. but not at the same rate as inflation. Yeah. Uh, so official figures show that total earnings were growing at an annual rate of 6.2%. Uh, while regular pay was rising at 4.3%, whereas, uh, whereas inflation is running much higher. Uh, I can't find the, the exact amount. But uh, the thing is, I mean, um, inflation, this inflation should be a temporary thing. So it's caused by, uh, you know, the energy crisis, which should eventually be resolved if our politicians uh, pull their finger out. Uh, and also uh, the supply chain, which should be resolved as well. I think and the also supply the supply chain thing is the bit that is, is, because people, everyone is assuming it's partly to do with the net zero attempts that's obviously yeah. driving up fuel prices, it's obviously to do with the war partly, but there are much more sort of nuanced, complex, intractable issues with China's... Uh, yeah, globalisation. Yeah, and also yeah. we're sort of disentangling ourselves. Countries tend, at the moment are disentangling themselves from the, the yeah. global network because, as we've seen, you know, you can't rely on Russia, you can't rely 
on Saudi Arabia and China and autocratic regimes because they're, they're, they're run by bad people who then leverage that for evil. What do you think, Steve? Yeah, I think the, the extra levies for green issues would have been there before we had the story about the cost of living crisis. Yeah. So, the, the I mean, it's still too high and I don't think we should be paying it during a time like this, but that won't be the increase that we're noticing. The spike is from other causes. In this article, they, they say that even with all this, that uh, unemployment has gone down and they're surprised. Why would you be surprised? There were already too many opportunities and not enough people applying for them and then, yep. and then a good reason to need extra work. Yeah. So, of course, unemployment, more people are going to find and a work. Bit, I mean, whether or not it worked, but a, a, a big part of the idea of Brexit was that you would clear out a lot of people who were willing to work for very low amounts of money and so that you would give a bit of a boost to the job market, but that was always bound to put the prices up, wasn't it? And that mm. was bound to put the prices up for food in particular because yep. they were always going to be part of the big... Mm the labour market for that. It is extraordinary, though, how the short memories people have. And you get warned about these things. You go, well, OK, fine, we will send all the strawberry pickers home, but you will have to then pick the strawberries, and that will probably... Be and they go, fine, yes, we'll do that. But, oh, no, strawberries <laughs> have gone up. But strawberries are, are still pretty cheap. Uh, yeah. The thing that's going up uh, faster, and is, is, over the last few decades has risen at just astronomical levels, is housing. Yeah. And this has coincided with uh, immigration, which I don't understand, because you know we had a million, nearly a million uh, immigrants in the UK last year, and assuming each one of them builds two houses, yeah. we should have loads of houses. Well, so, um, are, they we, are they not them. building houses? That is part are they of living the planning regulations instead? that they won't allow them maybe, to. Maybe if we, everyone who comes to the UK has to bring a semi-detached house with them, <laughs> maybe that'll solve the <laughs> housing crisis. Float across the channel on a flat pack house. Yeah. That would yeah. be a perfect. Sort of I think, course... to be fair, I mean, I don't know whether, you know, immigration will have an effect on housing, but what's more sinister, I think, genuinely, is that they don't include the price of houses in the inflationary yeah. index. Yeah. Know, so you have yeah. no way of factoring that in. It's oh, an absolute lie, isn't it? The inflation's a lie because it doesn't yeah. actually include what you're going to have to pay. For. Although this one does, this one does, uh, the CPI includes housing Mortgage. costs as well. Oh, that one does. Yeah. Okay, all right. I row back on that then, back all the way back to France. When is <laughs> Guardian next? And a troubling report has been released on the Labour Party, Steve. Yes, uh, the Ford report looked into anti-Semitism and said that the Labour Party uh, were using it as a factional weapon, both sides using it. What, yeah. They called uh, both sides uh, toxic under Jeremy Corbyn. So I suppose the best way of phrasing it is that they realised that an accusation of anti-Semitism were not only a way of dealing with anti-Semitism, but also yeah. a pretty good way of attacking Jeremy Corbyn. So who knows which... Basically, not all of the accusations were done simply to try and root out anti-Semitism. Um, the report also says Corbyn was notably silent. He refused to be interviewed in it. Which is bizarre, isn't it? Because you think... Like, the part of this is hard to defend. Yeah. Why would you be in a position where you think, well, yes, I want to uh, say that anti-Semitism is bad, but not too loudly. I wouldn't want to upset who? The anti-Semites? <laughs> um, it should be really easy to pick a side on this debate. Um, yeah. But they, they basically, Jeremy Corbyn brought out the split within the Labour Party even more than yeah. it's, it's normally it bubbles under the, and part of the weaponry was accusations. It has, it's been an historical thing within the Labour Party. I've known people for you know, 30 or 40 years when I was first sort of aware of people who had political opinions that Palestine was like a major issue for them in a way that I didn't fully understand. And the... the I suppose the an, an amount of elbow room, latitude to criticise Israel has been an important part of the Labour Party for a, a very long time. Predates Corbyn's career, I think. Yeah. Although anti-Semitism predates Israel. As <laughs> well, that's well. true. So, yes. I mean, yeah. and the left hate successful minorities, yeah, and you can see true. it in the in the Tory leadership race. That the, you know, some of the stuff that's Femi yeah. Olawole or uh, Dr. Shola Moss, Shogba Mimu, like the the sort of racist rhetoric they've come out because they're race baiting grifters who depend on this concept of racial inequality to, and you to make see a it career. In America as well, of course, it's exactly the same thing. Any yeah. black uh, politician who supports Republican or conservative views in America yeah. is immediately regarded as 
Well, kinds of unpleasant terms. Yeah. yeah. And, and the electoral arithmetic for the Labour Party under Corbyn, so 85% of British Muslims voted for Labour under Corbyn. Uh, and I'm not saying that, that's, you know, that there's any sort of long-standing enmity between uh, Jews and Muslims. People of the book, mate. That, that could have been a dog whistle, slightly. Yeah, you never know. Wednesday's Mirror Now, more on the grooming gang phenomenon, Leo. This is a specific uh, interview, I think. Yeah, so this is, I mean, there's not been, there's not been much uh, come out about Telford. So Telford, the Telford inquiry, you know, it's a huge, huge, uh, like grooming, uh, child sexual exploitation and murder. You know, the uh, pregnant girl was uh, burnt to death with her family uh, in, her, in her house by, by one of the abusers. I mean, just the, the most horrific crimes, uh, you know, I've, I've read, about, read about is horrific. But they've just been sort of, they were in the paper for half an hour and then they've just been sort of swept under under the carpet. So it's good to, good to see it actually getting some column space. So uh, the, the interview, one of the victims, uh, she says she was raped more than 1,500 times before she turned 20. And if, if there's any Guardian readers or Labour MPs w watching and wondering why people are upset about this, uh, try to imagine that instead of, you know, working class girls being, being raped, it's uh, middle class women get a, getting a hand on their knee. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's horrific. She was, the way, the way she was subtly groomed, she was uh, you know, started as a sort of drug mule and given cash and cigarettes and uh, just, uh, you know, she, she didn't realise she was, she was a victim. She didn't recognise it as, a, as abuse until she was an adult. There was a very sinister detail I saw when I was reading it that apparently they used to, they used to use these scrunches that they tie their ponytails yeah. up in and that these were used, they could be slit open and, and wraps of cocaine or whatever shoved into them and then... Yeah, yeah they shoved cocaine up. in worse places than that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it was highly organised, this, this abuse, yeah. and, and tied in with the, the drugs trade. And one of the difficulties prosecuting these, apart from the police and authorities not wanting to, to look racist is that it's, it's difficult to get the, the victims to recognise themselves as victims and, yeah. and testify against people who they, they, they don't realise are, are abusing them because they're, you know, the young kids. And, you know, she says she, she didn't realise until, you know, she was in her 20s what, the, what she'd been through, even though it's so horrific, reading the details, you know, yeah, gang yeah. rape and stuff, she didn't realise it was... It but was it is, abuse. you know, without wishing to, like, go to... Uh, I suppose it's an easily readily available cliché, but it's a little bit like... They always talk with the climate crisis about boiling frogs. I don't even know if it's true, you know yeah. what I'm saying, but you bring the temperature up gradually. It's a little bit like that, isn't it? You just gradually increase the outrages, but because the kid is a, has, has learned to think of you as somebody who is welcoming them into an adult world that appears a bit more glamorous early on. And then you go, and of course, the corollary of you hanging out with us adults is you're expected to provide sexual favours. Mm. It can be presented almost as if it's a, you know, a, this is what you wanted. A transaction you know I mean? or yeah, part of a yeah, relationship. this is all part of it. Yeah, but yeah. That's when the responsibility of the state steps in and yeah. the police should spot this. You can't expect... No, no, of course, out, yeah, But you can expect police to work this out. You can also expect police to not be afraid of looking racist by making an accusation yeah. because it's no-one likes to be called racist, but I'll tell you what's worse, what happened to them? And as yeah. somebody else pointed out on this show, and I thought was a fair point, which I hadn't really considered before, the police don't seem to be that bothered about being regarded as racist when there's, like, a, a, a vastly higher number of young black kids getting uh, stopped and searched yeah. for knives. Well, even, even then, they do, they do take steps to try and, you know, even out. You know, I've, I've, been, right. I've been stopped and searched, uh, you know, presumably but to... You do to look dodgy, out. to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I, I, I do have a tan. But, yeah, they, they say... I mean, we talk about systemic racism. Yeah. I, I'd argue that this shows that systemic racism, racism in some parts of British society and British authority structures is against white working class girls. Welcome back to Headliners with me, Simon Evans, Leo Kirst and Steve N. Allen. Let's crack on with our second 
part in which the news achieves a degree of levity, perhaps missing from the first 20 minutes. Exciting news from Wednesday's Telegraph now, and the UK is only 60 years behind on this particular endeavour. <laughs> yeah. Well, the next uh, moon landing programme could involve British astronauts and well, scientists hey. after the head of NASA flew in for discussions with the UK Space Agency. So apparently by 2025, they're going to establish a permanent base uh, on, on the moon and send humans back to the lunar uh, surface and then by 2030 they're going to have their first grooming gangs. Uh, uh, <laughs> and we can start hurling space rocks at Russia. Yeah, yeah, well, what's interesting is Russia is going to be involved. Oh. So, uh, so th this is a sort of international effort. Yeah. And although there's obviously there's tensions with, uh, with Russia over Ukraine, uh, this forced other, other space agencies <laughs> to, you know, cancel, cancel missions. Yeah. Uh, the the NASA, NASA guy said, that, he's called Mr. Nelson, said uh, relations with Roscosmos, which is the Russian space agency, are still good and not impacting joint projects. I think this is because the International Space, space Agency is heavily dependent on uh, Russian modules for, for cargo. I don't mm. know if it's the Soyuz. Yeah, and I suppose the, the, the moon is a, is a less contentious breadbasket and source of natural mineral wealth than Ukraine is, possibly. <laughs> yeah. You know, less, less, less part of the national myth. Until artillery. Neither of you are old enough to remember the moon landings, I imagine. <laughs> uh, I, I was four. I do remember it. I was carried next door. I, I don't know if we didn't have a telly whether next door just had a better one, but we went next door <laughs> to watch it. <laughs> well, you just make a lot of noise. Time. I can't remember. If it, it didn't get celebrated, but it was mid-July, wasn't it? I think maybe July 9th, something like that. 1969, yeah. And, uh, and our next-door neighbour, I promise you, was Russian. <laughs> uh, we didn't make a big fuss about it at the time, but he was like, yes, I fix. It's, it's not real. It's <laughs> in my it's, country, has I been am. put in studio because <laughs> Americans are losing space rights. But, uh, yeah, no, genuine story. Anyway, well, that's good news. I hope we do get an astronaut on the moon. That would yeah. clear everyone up, I think. Well, there's a few people we can World's most powerful passports. The day has finally arrived where our great nation can stand shoulder to shoulder with other countries and measure itself. Who has got the most impressive one, in your view, Steve? Uh, it's not in my view, it's the view of the Henley Passport Index. Thank heavens there's an index of passports. Henley? Yeah, without, without <laughs> that, how would we know which is the better passport? Where they have the rowing regatta. It might not Henley. be the same one, I don't yeah. know, actually. Um, and this is great to have this information because, you know, everyone gets to pick which passport they've got, so this yeah. is a really useful waste of our time. Um, <laughs> So who has the most powerful passport? Go it's on. not us, we've dropped. Japan. They're, they've measured it in terms of which countries will... This passport will get you in there without paperwork. Basically. Right, OK. Japan, top of the list, uh, but we're down at uh, sixth, joint sixth, yeah. uh, with uh, America and... Where's the other one? Oh, France. Oh, sorry, France, Ireland, Portugal well, and not, UK. Number the seven. The EU must all have the same, surely, no? Does it well, not work like that? I don't quite understand the details, but Germany and Spain are doing better than some others. Um, That's weird, isn't it? You would think if it was the EU, it was the EU. But then it's other countries that are, you can get into. Like oh, They yeah. might have rules and restrictions, but for you, we'll let you straight in, sir. That kind of deal. So um, the number the top three are Japan, Singapore and South Korea. There is a bit of a theme going on yeah. there, isn't there, mm, basically? Yeah. And down at the bottom, Afghanistan. <laughs> again, none of this is surprising, really. Yeah. We kind of knew that we wouldn't have as much it's, access. It's with sort of on. Though. It's like a directly inverse proportional relationship with football hooliganism, essentially, isn't it? I would imagine. Gee, so it, I don't understand. No. That. Japan, South Korea, and Singapore, no football hooligans. 
very, very powerful passports. You can go anywhere because you're not expected to be violent. You can right. be trusted not to so get Afghanistan have got good football hooligans. Yeah, they were. Well, the Taliban <laughs> just a firm that got out of hand. Essentially. <laughs> yeah. right? I mean, I guess Millwall would be the into city firm. Millwall's firm would do a lot better with AK-47s <laughs> that they've been given by Joe Biden. That kind of behaviour, that's what they're talking about, I think, yeah, isn't it? Rather than diplomatic relationships. Yeah, yeah there's a slight kink in the stats as well because they're comparing it to the last couple of years as well. But right. restrictions, people weren't allowed to go anywhere. We were particularly not favoured because no. we were an early adopter. Um, straight after Italy, weren't we? But so, look, I, that's not even worth considering those. And we knew that we wouldn't be going to quite as many places without filling out a visa because, well, we knew that when we voted for a change. Yeah, yeah. So, again, this is not particularly surprising that we've gone down. But the gap is not huge. There's 193 countries will let Japan in without a visa and we're on 187. Now, I don't know which of the which six countries we are not allowed to enter, but I've, you know, I've yet yeah. to encounter. We'll, we'll, well you imagine Russia. Russia's yeah. on that list now. And but, yeah, you do notice it when you're travelling for comedy. So, you know, doing yeah. tours, going around Europe, you know, it used to be so easy. You could right. just go anywhere and perform. And, yeah. I mean, you still can, you just don't tell the government. But, um, <laughs> but going to Indonesia, like performing over there, uh, like the guy had to get a government official to come and meet me at the airport and fill right. in all these forms. So, you know, you had to pay for a, a, a guy's time for the day and, you know, pay a fee and all the rest of it. Yeah, tiresome. That's true. Mind you, I wouldn't go to Indonesia for comedy anyway. That's just me. But no, it's great. Was I it? perform, funnily enough, I performed on the American embassy because it was free from the uh, Islamic speech laws. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, Because yeah. <laughs> it, it does affect, there's a comedy club in, uh, in Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia. They got yeah. shut down um, just five days ago. Uh, by, by means of a kind of fatwa kind of mentality? Basically, yeah, yeah. 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 So uh, somebody blasphemed against, the, against Islam on stage. <sighs> this next one from Wednesday's Mail is short to delight Nicola Sturgeon, Leo. So this has come to you as well. Yeah, so Vladimir Putin's chief propagandist has threatened to destroy England with a Satan II rocket, which, I mean, he, they, they talk up these rockets as if he's, he's spoken before, as if, you know, you, it, it'll create a tidal wave that'll wipe out the whole year. No, it's, I mean, it's a nuclear explosion. It's, it's bad, yeah. but it can't take out a whole country. It could probably take out Swindon, but that's not entirely a bad thing. But So he says uh, he's going to destroy England with a giant Satan II rocket, but leave Scotland, Wales, and the, the island of Ireland unharmed. That is quite a, that's quite a, a task you set Hadrian's Wall, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Keep out a nuclear blast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and exactly map the contours. <laughs> I mean, it's very clever, though, because, you know, Scott, like Putin is very clever at, you know, sowing division yes. amongst his enemies. And, uh, you know, Scottish nas nationalists, they, they're very authorita authoritarian, so they'd love uh, a Putin-style government, and they hate England, just like Putin. And, uh, you know, and also the, the SNP, the Scottish National Party, uh, started off, um, you know, in league, basically in league with uh, Nazi Germany, yeah. because, you know, they hated England so much they were willing to collude with, uh, with England's enemies. Who's this, Scotland? Scottish National now, Party. Is that when, uh, what's his name, the uh, number two, he arrived in Scotland, didn't he, in order to plead his case on behalf of Hitler? Yeah, that's right. Hess. Yeah. Around, yeah. Uh, okay, what was it? What, Rudolf Hess, was it? Rudolf yeah. Hess, yeah. And yeah. he's the one who and was the radio. last prisoner in, in Spandau. This is before your time as well, Steve. Yeah, yeah. I missed Don't it all. Like Rudolf Hess flew in in a light aircraft and landed, and I think he, he didn't use a reindeer. Prince. He spoke to the Duke of Argyll. No, he wasn't magical. He was an actual... He right. wasn't Father Hess. <laughs> right. He was an actual Nazi. He was the one who oh, yeah. basically wrote down um, Mein Kampf. He was in jail with Hitler and he was he did, took the dictation. Yeah, he was... Oh, is, is that why they call Hitler a dictator? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
<laughs> and that term now has been widely abused ever since. Anyway, I quite like this chap. He is hilarious. I'll tell you what I would use, though, if I was going to uh, use a Satan rocket uh, to defeat the West. What? There's a massive rock in the Canary Islands that apparently one day is going to topple and will create a tsunami that will wipe out New York. I think that's, that's just a... That's where I'd aim for. Daily Express headline. That is not a <laughs> this, real thing. This is great. It's a propagandist. It's like getting a bad tweet. It's just nice that we're yes. winding them up. Yeah. There's, a, there's a bit another propagandist in the conversation saying, look at Liz Truss, look at Boris Johnson. Both of them are the personification of many years of British policy. I think that's going to be my opening monologue of Ministry of Defence. <laughs> 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 he is perfect. You should get him over. <laughs> Uh, he's just the Howard Stern of Moscow, isn't he? Wednesday's <laughs> Times now, and it seems Russia subscribes to the idea that God made Adam and Eve, not Vladim and Stavinsky. <laughs> <laughs> well, they want to ban discussion of child-free lifestyles. Mm. And, I mean, yeah, it's... The discussion of the pro propaganda. It's a sort of yep. Section 28, isn't it? It, it is, and there's a whole lot of that homophobia into this story. But, yeah. but they're trying to make it look like it's an issue to do with population. The, the stat service over there has predicted that Russia's population could decline by up to 12 million people in the next two decades. Mm. And this was before they sent a lot of them to go and get shot. Yeah. So the solution... Don't talk about not having kids. That'll do it. That'll well, the, the fact is, I mean, to play devil's advocate here, of course, but it's happening to every country in, yeah. in Europe. The same, you know, infertility crisis. The difference is we have immigrants who want to come and live in this country to bolster it and to, to overwhelm yeah. the decline of, of fertility. But it is actually happening. And I will even go further. I do think that there has been some degree to which people have gone that actually looks quite fun not having kids because heterosexual couples all used to have kids. And, assume, you know, when, when it was shameful to be gay and you were like the naked civil servant, you know, supping a cold cup of coffee on the hills or in road or something, you know, and it looked a bit miserable and, and you were... You were sort of hemmed in by society's oppressive forces. Nobody wanted to live like that. But now, clearly, being gay is the most fun anyone can have. <laughs> and you can sort of ape that if you just decide not to have kids. Well, but funny if you say ape, because uh, there is a risk of monkeypox. But, <laughs> I mean, the, the, the sort of fertility rate dropping in Western Europe, I mean, yeah. this, is, this is a huge problem. We're at 1.7 at the moment. That's yeah. the re replacement. The, we need 2.1 to maintain the population. Never and it's grow. comparable to and, Russia, isn't it? And it's, ec economists say, oh, so we need... Lots of immigrants. But the reason people aren't having children is, is mainly because they can't afford a house. Exactly. So if you bring in yeah. lots of immigrants, it doesn't make house prices go down. And then you're sort of replacing our population, our culture, our life. Well, there are two reasons. There's partly that, but also, based on historical fact and historical record, it's because it's easier not to make mistakes now. Most kids are mistakes, historically speaking. Right. Most <laughs> kids are failure of contraceptive devices that didn't yeah. work properly yeah. or whatever and can't be rectified after the event, or just, you know, drunken uh, lust in which you don't take proper precautions. All of those things being ironed out now. So we, we have this we idea to... that in the past people went, do you know what I'd really like now? Eight or nine children. So we need, to, for the we next need, to, encourage, we need to encourage recklessness. Absolutely. And, of course, new, new arrivals to our shores uh, have more children. So uh, yeah. Islam is going to be the biggest religion in the UK if current demographic trends well, continue. Well, it's the only religion by in the UK already, isn't it? I think it's the so only by, one by, tw yeah. by 2050, which is, I mean, that's yeah. a startling. If you'd have told yeah. people in the 90s, you know, what they were voting for with, uh, you know, Blair's globalisation and open borders, then, uh, you know, people, people would have said, you're a far-right alarmist. Our, our best defence against Islam is not Christianity. It is shopping, isn't it? It's shopping and alcohol. Those, those are our best defence. Because they don't have that point. in Dubai. No, they don't. Well, not really. You know, not alcohol. <laughs> Man, uh, yeah, Dubai yeah. is based on yeah. shopping. If yeah, more we, people buy more alcohol, we'll also solve the problem of having kids, I guess. That's yeah, the other thing. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. This is it, you know. But, you know, nature has its way.
And welcome back to Headliners. No fatwa so far. Let's see if we can get through to midnight <laughs> without one. I'm Simon Evans, joined by Leo Kurse and Steve N. Allen tonight. On to Wednesday's Metro and a topic all three of us are incredibly passionate about. This is Love Island. That's right. So Love Island. It's not a real island, by the way. It's just a TV show. But it's domestic, not real love either. Domestic, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it seems. It should be called Lust Island. Lust TV. Lust Peninsula. Lust TV The archipelago studio. of... <laughs> Never mind. Anyway, domestic violence charity Refuge has expressed concern over the misogynistic and abusive behaviours in recent episodes of Love Island. They've said nothing about Telford, interestingly. Mm. Absolutely zero about uh, grooming gangs. Are you sure? About so, that. Absolutely certain. Yeah, I checked. Yeah. I checked their Twitter. I checked their website. I did a, a deep search. Even the yeah. even the um, the person, the CEO's uh, Twitter. No mention. No mention of Telford. No mention of uh, grooming gangs. Very little mention of, of grooming at all. But anyway, so apparently Luca Bish, who's on Love Island, blew up at partner Gemma Owen while accusing her of flirting with Billy Brown. I don't know who. What is Luca Bish? Luca Bish is a, is a type of person. Right. Um, and Ekinsu, oh God, this is, I think this is a Turkish name. It's very complicated to pronounce. Ekinsu Kulkuloglu uh, was oh, called a liar goodness. by David San Clemente during explosive rows. Um, so these problematic scenes... Love is blowing up and explosive. I mean, it's, it's quite a sort of concussive experience watching you want, this show. Would you like to see Jihad Island? Yeah. <laughs> Just people randomly exploding. <laughs> So the problematic scenes caught the attention of Women's Aid, who, uh, who have addressed... Sorry, can I just go back? Is Coco Lodge a person or a location on the island? Oh, Coco Lodge is a... Oh, Coco Lodge is a person. Is a person, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Coco Lodge... Uh, uh, so it sounds like Coco a sexual Lodge. position as well. Coco Lodge... <laughs> wow. <laughs> Coco Lodge was kissed in Casa Amor. So Casa Amor sounds like a person, but it's a, it's a building. It's a building. And Coco Lodge sounds like a building, but it's a person. It's an extraordinary programme. Yeah. I had no idea. I can't believe that the refuge... Oh, no, sorry, that's Ruth Davison. She is... Yeah. Is that the ex-Scottish? No. No, OK, different one. Right, OK. No. Well, I have to say I feel some sympathy with somebody called Ruth Davison trying to understand any of what you've just described. <laughs> well, I've got more sympathy <laughs> with Coco Lodge. It's like being called Travel Lodge or something. <laughs> sympathy. And, oh, it sounds lip-smacking. We kick off the... Uh, David sorry, the, the next one. Scientists want to put gruesome cigarette-style picture warnings... Onto chocolate. Is this, yeah. right? is this with you, Steve? Yeah, this, the idea is it'll stop us being so fat because, yeah. you know, it, let, let's be honest, those pictures and other measures have reduced the level of smoking. So let's yeah. throw out the idea of putting gruesome pictures on uh, foods, snack yeah. foods and, and whatever. For example, a photo of someone getting, is it put, getting open heart surgery. It's going to nip it I and think they're going to show surgery. us a picture they've got, and there is one. Oh, delicious, isn't so it? So this contains excess calories. Yeah. Which cause obesity. What is, the, what is the definition of an excess calorie? Well, I mean, more than you need, but it's difficult to know that but that's they're in there. Not, yeah, there's not going to be... It's well, not going to be more... I, you get 3,000 calories a day if that's not got that I, in. I take your point, but it, in general, if you're eating uh, a Mars bar or something like that, it tends to not be, I'm only getting my... You know, 2,500. Yeah, yeah. They call empty calories, is that yeah. the idea? Uh, yeah. the Cambridge University have worked, because I would have said, you can put that on the side and I'm going to eat the chocolate anyway. Because uh, I don't eat yeah. chocolate because I think it's healthy for me. No. I eat it because, because I fundamentally, I've never been happy. Trying to drown out the emptiness. Yeah, the only way that I can feel joy in this otherwise <laughs> empty life is a little bit of chocolate in my mouth. Um, so, but it turns drugs. out, uh, well, it doesn't feel as good as chocolate. Um, seven out of ten people actually did. Given a choice, opt for fruit rather than chocolate if it had a picture of someone getting surgery on the side. Right. The um, fruit on the pineapple? No, the, the, uh, the picture was on the Oh, chocolate. OK. The other idea would be put pictures on fruit yeah. of someone looking really great naked. 
And then maybe... Well, do, the only thing they do is pumpkins, which get carved once a year, and that's usually quite gruesome, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that like puts you off, yeah. if anything. Uh, my favourite thing about this is, obviously, there was a sample, uh, a group where they had no pictures on either. Yeah. And was, you know, more people took the chocolate. If you've got a picture of surgery, people go away from chocolate. They also tried it with pictures of dead dogs that have been hit by, like, roadkill. Oh, my they? goodness. A dog, a dog that, that is, is dead, dead and, and abandoned. abandoned. And it What's actually that going to do? That. What's that got to do with chocolate? I mean, this is what scientists do, though. Like, we need three groups. What are we going to do with the other one? That's, uh, that's dead a, dogs. That's a dairy milk. So, sorry, that's yeah. like a placebo or whatever, is it? Is that oh, that's a Labrador. A Labrador. Yeah. And, I mean, it's just a lab. <laughs> Never mind. But you know, that's science, science lab. I'm just trying to understand, was that, is that picture put onto a packet to see whether it puts people off? Choice, it's like yeah. an experimental And it's, yeah, uh, it's put me off eating dog. So, but I did look through this thing, and this is what does annoy me. I understand. We all understand. You eat a Mars bar, you know that you're not doing yourself a power of good, but it might cheer you up. Exactly. People don't know that, through though. The day. Well, maybe some people do, some don't. I don't know. And yeah, of course, if you make it a big part of your diet, you're probably going to end up the wrong shape. But then it says, what should a balanced diet look like? And it goes, base meals on potatoes, bread, rice, pasta. No, those are all terrible. Yeah. You should be eating loads of meat, fish, eggs and cheese. Eat that dog. And a bit of fresh fruit and, and veg to uh, just, to, you know, get it yeah. moving through the colon. That is literally <laughs> all you need. You don't need any lodge. of these high starchy, these refined carbohydrates. Or yeah. There's no difference. Between but potatoes, is, bread and a Mars bar. But I think it is a good idea to, you know, get people to cut back on chocolate. Because, yeah. I mean, that much as I've loved the warm weather, uh, people are wearing more revealing clothes. And yeah. what it's revealed <laughs> is that we are a nation of land whales. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of disgusting quite, well, We had a holiday in Crete recently and yeah. the British with their tops off on the beaches. Yeah, yeah. It, it, people say, I feel ashamed to be British now, and they usually mean Brexit, but that's what, when I feel it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and also chocolate itself in the heat. Yeah, it does it. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Okay. There's, there's this movement for body positivity, which is basically making excuses and encouraging people to be fat, and it's it's ridiculous. It's a lie. It's another series of lies. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Minimum pricing on the same sort of subject. Now this is trying to slow down drinkers rather than chocoholics. So this is interesting. They've done a they've done a new study on minimum pricing. So in, in Scotland, for example, I think the the minimum cost when you go and buy uh, alcohol, it used to you know it used to just be you know super cheap, and now. Yeah. Uh, they've made a minimum unit pricing. So if you buy a can of lager that's got, you know, three units or whatever, I don't know how many units is in a can of lager, but it's it's going to be... A couple of hundred, I think. Oh, yeah. units. units. Sorry, units. So, it's be, so, it's, so it's going to be like a minimum of like two pounds rather yeah. than, you know, previously it would be a pound. And uh, it, uh, previous research showed that the, the policy has been associated with large reductions in consumption among heavier drinkers. But this new study shows that it's not uh, reducing consumption in young, uh, more deprived or the heavy drinking men. So they're the people that the policy yeah. was designed to target. They do the most harmful uh, drinking. And in Scotland as well, it's also led to people uh, using illegal drugs more. So yeah. you know, if you want to get blotto because you know you wake up, you realise you're in Glasgow, uh, you can't go, you can't afford to go and get drunk on alcohol. So you've got you've to buy some heroin. And then what happens is, of course, you take the heroin or the speed or whatever. And then, of course, that reduces your inhibitions, which is what you take it for, and then you think, yeah. sorry, I'm going to spend all my money on, the rest of my money on booze anyway. <laughs> I mean, this is the great genius of booze, isn't it? Is that it overcomes its own objections. You know, <laughs> early on you think, I'm going to have a glass, and then that yeah. glass says, <laughs> have another glass. Yeah. And by the time you've had a couple of glasses, you know, you're, you're on a roll. And it's yeah. very, very difficult to impose your willpower on that situation. You know? yeah. yeah, but that's, that's just normal, everyday, common or garden willpower. I think for those people who are addicted, of course this was never going to work, because... Drugs are also expensive and people seem to pay for those. Yeah, so. absolutely true. And also they can get you in jail and they don't care. Uh, this next one, call me cynical, sounds a little bit like a well-funded marketing campaign, but maybe there's some truth to it. Steve. 
Vitamin, Marmite. Yeah, vitamins in Marmite can calm anxiety. This is according to a new piece of research, um, which, I mean, I'm, I, I think if you want to feel better, eat lots of chocolate, but we've covered that. <laughs> it's B vitamins. Which Marmite's can, the same colour. It's, you just yeah. paint that a bit on the outside of your mask. It's quite the same, is it? <laughs> but it's B vitamins um, that are good for you. They can mess with your brain chemistry. Yeah. We've always known that B12 deficiency is one of the symptoms is guilt. Right. <laughs> Which, but then again, one is, that, of the, is that in a hangover? Because guilt is all, always accompanies a hangover. There's, yes. there's a hormonal thing in hangovers, and one of the first hormones that starts to level itself early doors is testosterone, which is why it's... How to, how to say this delicately, the next morning sometimes one yeah, might yeah, feel a little do. more out. I, I remember that. There's a, <laughs> remember the funny that, thing, yeah. there's also the immediate self-loathing that comes in immediately after the culmination of the, uh, the uh, infragrant. Do you know what I'm saying? Ejaculation <laughs> almost immediately leaves. There's a French word, tristesse, is it, or something? That sort of yeah. slight, slight sadness. You know, there's just... You just what have I done again? What have yeah, I done exactly. to, in, to the Coco Lodge? Schopenhauer said that at the moment of copulation, the devil's laughter is heard because right. you've been tricked into it. Against your, again, because most children are born accidentally. Why, why, is, why is this headline uh, written like a cigarette pack warning? <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't understand that. It's Marmite. You need to cut back on your Marmite. Stop smoking. So Marmite can actually reduce anxiety yeah. and possibly guilt. B, I mean, it's got B12, and this study actually said that you didn't get any improvement from B12, but probably because you feel guilty because you just filled your face with toast and Marmite. Um, yeah. B6 can help improve your brain chemistry, and that can sort out anxiety. But you're right, I don't know why this isn't an advert for vitamin tablets. <laughs> How are we suddenly going well, to have Marmite? There is I think a funny it's... thing about vitamin tablets. Apparently, most of the good effects are better if you don't take them in pill form, and nobody quite knows why. Right. But well, I think this is because it came from a press release from Marmite. Yeah, Marmite. From Marmite. Listen... <laughs> Marmite is uh, a byproduct of the brewing industry, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, right. like most of us. <laughs> so, uh, like my career. Uh, okay, this is a uh, scientist working on a drug now, Leo, that will uh, rival giant tortoises for, for lifespans. Yeah, so scientists are working on a drug that lets you live for 200 years. They're, they're not very clear on how far along the process of no. making this drug they are. They might just be <laughs> at the idea stage. Funding. But uh, yeah, they're, they're looking for funding. But basically, the, the science behind it is human aging is hurried along by zombie cells. Uh, so scientifically, they're known as senescent cells. And these mm. cells stop dividing over our life, lifespan, accumulate inside our bodies, and release compounds that speed up aging. So they've, they've developed these drugs, they've tested on mice that uh, extend the, the lifespan and the healthy lifespan of the, the yeah. mice as well. Uh, but the trouble is, you know, as with other things that they test on mice, we're not mice. It doesn't scale up, does it? It doesn't a, always work. I read a fantastic book last year called Scale by a guy called Jeffrey West about how things operate differently at different scales. Mouse... Great, you know, human beings, whales, cities compared to villages and so on. And it is really interesting how certain things that they think... You can test to a degree for sort of toxicity on mice. Right. But in certain other regards, it just doesn't map onto. You might get an extra six months or something. But know? what's the, the solution to that, to start testing on humans in labs... Well, maybe just China's accept that it. our lifespan is a natural limit and it's not actually a bad one. Well, I, I, mean, I thought you know, you'd be more worried than that, Simon. All I want to do is like make sure that you can live healthily right up to the... Yeah. You know what I mean? That, that, for me, have a guillotine at the end of it rather than sort of <laughs> 10 or 15 years of dribbling into the sort of unrecognised face of your relatives. But anyway, that's, um, I, did, I was on a sort of financial panel a few years ago just like providing you know, the, the laughs, obviously... There was a billionaire on there called Jim Mellon, who is, I think, a British billionaire. He's done a lot of great, very successful investing. And his two big tips for the future were uh, immortality and uh, lab-grown meat. He said those are the two things, because kids hate uh, killing animals now. 
but we will need some sort of decent protein and there's still some way to go with that. Mm. Google have got a massive, uh, I think it's called the Gilgamesh Project, eh, which is within Google's headquarters in in California, where they are working on immortality. And so, I, think, I mean, there is a lot another of... Another one's Craig Ventner, is it, as well? The yeah. G, G, um, genome guy? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And people write books about things that you can do, you know, in order to extend and the telomeres and what have you. But mm. I think live like a mighty river. It's, it reminds but, my, uh, <laughs> my, my watch. Don't let Russian tanks cross you. No, exactly. <laughs> if the issue is that kids don't like killing animals, we're not going to need kids if we're all immortal. So no, they're going to be out of the window. Exactly. Also, our yeah. kids are kids. And we can enjoy steaks. <laughs> <laughs> Telegraph now and a question for the ages, Steve. Are phones ruining live music? I think that's it, yeah. Yeah, they are. There you go. Um, <laughs> this is Bob Dylan banned them. There's been various artists. Billie Eilish uh, encourages them. But, uh, I mean, I can only really go to this from a point of view of a stand-up comedian. You see someone get their phone out, it's an oh. absolute nightmare. Yeah. Firstly, you don't want evidence of what's about to go down. <laughs> yes. You know, there's a certain agreement in a comedy club. Yeah, you, yeah. You've decided to enter that room, so you've made an agreement that you're going to listen to whatever we've said. Yeah. Take that out of context and print it in a newspaper the week later. Yeah, we look like terrible people. Yeah. Um, but I do think there is this whole thing of not living in the moment. The, the same people who will turn up to a music thing and film it will waffle on about mindfulness on their Instagram. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> do Very one true. or the other. Be in the moment, put the phone down and live the experience. I mean, I remember the nativity plays. I'm kidding, my kids are growing up now, but I remember we went to go and see those and people holding iPads up to film nativity <laughs> plays. I mean, so the you whole cannot get past it. You're like, it's like a wall of screens. <laughs> you're like... If you're not going to watch it now, when when is going to be a better time yeah, than now? Yeah, yeah. You know, this is a really precious moment. And yeah, you go to screens. I mean, we went to see Guns N' Roses recently. It was it was an awful gig because the 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 sound was terrible in in the new Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. And I don't know whether it was the band's fault or the stadium's fault. But to be honest, I wasn't enjoying it anyway, so I wasn't that <laughs> lost. So I was like watching it more as a sort of social experiment anyway. Oh, but yeah. as soon as any uh, famous song comes out, everyone would hold up their phone. Yeah. And as soon as one they didn't know, they'd just sort of sit there. Like, wait, right. you know, it was like, those were their two modes. Oh, sweet child of mine, up comes yeah. the phone. And then he played November Rain and they didn't record it. They all held their phones up with the light on in the way that they used to do with lighters. Do you remember that when people yeah. used to help? Yeah. It was like your phone was just your only means of communicating your response yeah. to the whole well, thing. Well, they, they do this uh, thing now. There's a company called Yonder, and you, they put your phone in a pouch. You keep your phone with you in the pouch, so you've still got it. You don't need to worry about it. I know the no. guy who runs it, Charlie Lovell, and he gave, gave me free tickets for uh, Dave Chappelle. But so I think it's a good hope deal. He gives me more. Queen's greatest <laughs> hits, meanwhile, is Britain's biggest selling album ever. That's uh, that news. That's, it's, yeah, it's no, this slightly depressing. It's like 40 years old. It is, it's very also much, it's that uh, Alan Partridge uh, line of what's I your favourite? I think favorite? Best of the Beatles. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> I think it was Phil Collins, what's your favourite Phil Collins album? Uh, greatest Hits. Was yeah, right? yeah. So it's that, uh, Queen's Greatest Hits, b biggest selling album, great. Uh, they've also looked at the number of times uh, individual tracks were streamed, the most streamed track, Bohemian Rhapsody. 240 million streams. My favourite bit of the article is Brian May said, thank you, we appreciate it. It in that sentence, I imagine, the yeah, money. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and no wonder he can afford to go and save badgers all the time. It's just, <laughs> the money's coming. There is, they hit the sweet spot, though, Queen, didn't they? I don't know whether anyone would say they were the greatest band or even one of the top ten bands of all time, but they are... They're like a part of everyone's culture, childhood. Yeah. You know, you get Simon Pegg uses uh, Don't Stop Me Now in his zombie yeah. films, Wayne's World used Bohemian Rhapsody. The Beatles, obviously, an extraordinary band, extraordinary outpouring of creativity, extraordinary ambition and advances were made, but it was at a time when... The music just feels a bit old now, doesn't it? It does yeah. feel, you know, whereas Queen, it feels like it's glossy enough to be on MTV, but it's got nostalgia as yeah. well. Yeah, they were, they were big right at the time when, you know, CDs and everything were, were coming yeah. out, so, you know, they could sell lots of records, which, which you can't do now. You don't really get huge bands anymore. Uh, 
But does Brian May save badgers because he looks like one? Yeah. <laughs> it just, it's a self-protection thing. terrified that yeah. his wife will be cold one day. <laughs> uh, so, OK, and the next one we have is Japanese offices bringing oh, yeah. in sleep boxes so workers can get a bit of an extra nap. Yeah, this is a terrifying vision of the future that the World Economic Forum have got planned for us. The Japanese <laughs> firms, they've come up with this uh, solution. They call it an ingenious solution. I think it's incredibly scary to the country's problem of exhausted white-collar workers by fitting nap boxes in offices, which enable them to, to sleep standing up. Standing up, extraordinary, yeah. like I, well, a bat. I've done that before. I've done oh, that at work. I've done it. I, I used to do night shift at a petrol station, wow. and you, you can sleep uh, wedged into did a you, corner. I was going to say, did you have a prop or something? Did you have a no, no, no. You can, no? you can just sort of like you just sort. Of, I mean, it's not obviously it's not the best sleep you can get. No. But the uh, so this this holds you, it props you, uh, holds your head, your knees, and rear uh, in order to stay upright and avoid falling over, and also so you can do heads, shoulders, knees. And I mean, pose the at one the same place time. I would like to see improved upright sleeping technology is on trains, obviously, and planes, I guess, as well. All I always think you just need a sort of band around your head to hold it firmly to the headrest. But because of the flow of blood and lymphatic fluids, you shouldn't be upright when you sleep. We're not designed right? to sleep upright. We're not cows, so you should be lying down. Wow. You could you solve that if that plane started to plummet. Yeah. yeah. As long as it all flies on a parabola. Then what do you all think, the... though? I haven't asked you. What do you think about Japanese office sleeping oh. culture? Is it a terror? Because they're saying 80 hours of office extra overtime a month. Yeah. And we often hear that Japan has cracked it in terms of productivity. Yeah, this <laughs> it is. Sounds like well, that's sleeping. how you do it. I mean, I, uh, yeah, no one should be worked to the level where they have to sleep in a pod. But also, I do think this. The world's got it wrong about places to sleep. If you leave the house, you can't get a kip anywhere. I mean, if you're in London, centra Circle Line is your best bet. Yeah. Just let it go round. But if, without that, there's not that a place on your back in the middle of Soho Square with a Cure album in your headphones under the sun. That was fabulous. Disintegration. Those were my best summer mornings. <laughs> Did you get moved on? Summer lunchtime. Anyway, listen, folks, that's all we have time for. Thank you so much to my guests. Leo and Steve, they have been fabulous. Join me tomorrow. I will be joined by Nick Dixon and Simon Fanshawe. The sparks, I am sure, will fly. <laughs> In the meantime, get a good night's sleep. Lie down properly. Good night. <laughs> <laughs>